talking about freedom in Christ and, and what this actually means and, and what Paul was actually talking about when, when he wrote the letter in Galatians and he was talking about freedom in Christ. You know, sometimes we, we hear freedom in Christ and we think, oh, we can be free of our sins. And yes, that's true. Free from bondage. Oh, yes, that, that's true. But today we're going to be talking about what it really means to be free and how, how we can achieve that. Because in, in, today, uh, in today's church, we have so many Christians who are walking around who, who say they're Christians, but they're still tied to the yoke of bondage. And we're going to, we're going to talk about what that means. But before I get started, I want to just come out here. Can I come out here? Is that cool? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask. I'm going to come all the way back here to the back back row here. And I'm going to ask some questions. I got a little little interview going on, all right? I'm going to put Nick on the spot back here. Nick. All right, Nick. What does it mean to be free? If I, what does that mean to you to be free? To have just no chains or anything hindering you, just being open and completely able to do what you are called to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk about let's talk about freedom in general, freedom in, in general, I'm going to come over here and ask Amelia. And I'm, I'm not really looking for churchy answers. If you give me one, that's fine. But what is, what is freedom to you? Having nothing holding you back. Nothing holding you back. So basically to, to do what you want to do. Freedom, freedom. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to ask Sister Darlene, what does it mean? What does it mean to you, freedom? Um, just to be able to do what? Okay, and not a church, what you want to do, and with no hindrance, nobody to stop you. That's very good. What, do what you want to do. No hindrance. Now, now, I could, there's all, all sorts of types of, of freedoms that we could debate on this, this morning. I got th- three different answers right, right there. Um, and we look at this flag right here, and, and uh, I, could, I could come, do, do we have a, a military veteran? And, and I'm, I'm going to come over here. Pastor Allison. And you look at this flag right here, and you think, "What freedom, right?" Does it what What does this What does this represent to you? Represents the fact that we are a nation that can obey the laws of the land and do what we want to do. That's right. See, we we have soldiers who fought for our freedom, and and we, you know, our our flag. That's what that's what that represents. We're a free country. We I'm gonna set this back over here before I break it. There, there are uh, many types of freedom. Paul is talking about freedom in Christ. When we talk about freedom, we, we, we uh, can, can talk about economical freedom. We can talk about political freedom. Uh, we can talk about, uh, you know, uh, uh, it being a, a free country. Have you ever heard of that phrase? It's a free country, Right? Yeah, and, and sometimes that is used way out of context and it can be used in rebellion. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's a free country. It's a free country. Um, I, I've heard that statement. But, but in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this, So Christ has truly set us free, period. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up 
in slavery to the law. And your translation might say yoke of bondage. Don't get tied up in this yoke of bondage. And we're going we're gonna to hit on that in just, in just a little bit uh, about what that means. You know, uh, we, we even write songs about freedom. Uh, I think it was the Beatles that, that wrote the song Free as a Bird. And then in the 90s, the, the song I'm Free to Do What I Want. You might know, y'all don't know these songs. It's okay. Y'all are holy people. All right. Free Bird. We have all kinds of, uh, of songs that we've written about freedom. There's a lot of songs I can't mention about, about freedom. But the thing is uh, about freedom is that statement, uh, free to do what I want, is almost an oxymoron. It's almost a, a contradicting statement because what people don't realize is that with freedom comes responsibility. A lot of responsibility. People want to be free, but they don't want the responsibility. Now, for a person who has been convicted of, of a so-called crime, uh, either, either uh, wrongly or rightly uh, accused of this crime, and they serve time in jail, you know, they, they want freedom. They want freedom. And what, what we're saying as a society is that because this person was convicted of this, that they are not responsible enough to live as a, as a free citizen, so for a period of time, we're going to lock them up. And when it comes time for this person to be released, there is a responsibility There is a responsibility to do what's right. Nobody is going to stand there beside that person and make them do what's right. It is their responsibility to do what's right. We're talking about freedom in Christ today. I remember when I moved out from from my parents' roof at 19 years old, I learned quickly that with freedom, I had more responsibility. I was responsible for more things in my life. I was responsible for showing up to work. I was responsible for my insurance and and for bills. And I was responsible for paying my own taxes. And I was learning all of it. I was responsible for making sure that I was fed. I was responsible for a lot more things in my life when I moved away from home. And in this verse, we see that that Paul is saying Christ has set us free. But immediately after he tells us this, he, he reminds us of our responsibility. And he says this, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up to the slavery of the law. Or in the King James Version, it might say the yoke of bondage. And, and let's let's put up that slide. Yoke of bondage. See, a, a yoke is a, is a, this thing that sits between two animals, and it forms a, a harness. And and they refer they refer to this as a, a yoke. He's referring the, the law to a yoke of bondage. We're tied to a, a yoke. And in Judaism, Judaism, it was your honor and your duty to to take up this yoke of the law and to, and to try to fulfill the law of Moses. But you see, God's children are not called to bear this heavy burden. 
Instead, we are to enjoy the yoke of Christ's freedom in our life. Paul is writing in this passage that we should not put on this yoke of trying to live by the law, but instead a different yoke. And and the yoke, this yoke that I'm talking about is the yoke that, that Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. Says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my, my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He's talking about a, a different kind of yoke. He says, forget the, the yoke of, of, of the law. You see, what he was referring to was the 613 commands on top of all of their traditions and, and all of their, their man-made things that they came up with and, and tried to follow. And you see, that was impossible. That was an impossible task. And what he was saying is, if you're going to live by the law, then you can't just pick the ones that you like. You need, you need to live by all of these all 613, plus the ones that you're coming up with every day. You've got to come up with all the. And what Jesus was saying was that, that that is heavy. That is hard. That is impossible. And see, I have a yoke that is, that is light. I have a, a yoke that is easy to, to bear. And he said, let me teach you. Let me teach you. So we're, we're, we can't be a slave to the law, but we can, as a Christian and as a believer, we're now a slave to Jesus Christ because his yoke is light. Am I making sense? I'm not trying to confuse people this morning. This might be, this might be kind of deep, but I'm, I'm, it's, not my, it's not my intention. I'm trying to, to break down a verse and what this is really saying to us. I'm trying to get to the core of how we can really be free from the yoke of bondage in our life. So, let me ask this question. What is slavery to the law? What does that look like? Why would that even be mentioned? Because because we are a a church today that, that does not live by the Jewish law. And, 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 and the law of Moses. So the question is, is this even relevant to our lives today? And, and my answer is yes. And, and let me explain myself. Basically, slavery to the law is this. It's our human effort to be made right with God. The law of Moses was all about human effort and what we could do. It was the, it was the law that revealed our sinful nature. And by trying to live by the, the, the law, and an impossible task, this was just a, it was just a hard task. Basically, this verse is saying freedom in Christ cannot be achieved by human effort. It cannot be achieved by human effort. You cannot earn your salvation. It is literally impossible. Freedom in, in Christ, and I highlight, highlighted this part, it says freedom in Christ is not only free from our sin, but is, it is freedom from the very thing that reveals our sin. I'm going to say that again because I think that's important for us to hear. Freedom in Christ is not only freedom from sin, but it's freedom from the very thing that reveals our sin. Freedom from human effort. Because you 
I'm not trying to discourage anybody here, but our human effort to, to achieve salvation will never be enough. It will never be enough. We can try, we can try, we can try, but we need something more. Thank God that he made a new way for us to experience true freedom in our lives. And this true freedom can be experienced when we believe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the truth that is going to set us free. You see, understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ will open the, 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 the door for the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. And there's many examples of this that are given in the New Testament about when the, the truth of the gospel was revealed, the Holy Spirit began to fall on their lives and the Holy Spirit began to, to move in their life and it began to be present in their lives. That, much, that is what we need in, in, in church today. We need the truth of the gospel, and that will lead to the Holy Spirit being evident in our life. Paul mentions this later on in his passage in Galatians 5 and 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let me ask you this. What kind of fruit is evident in your life? What kind of evidence do you have that you are a Christian and that you are a follower and a believer of Jesus Christ. If you don't have these things that are evidence in your life, myself included, we need to have a heart check. We need to pray for these things. It says, this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There is no law against these things. This is the evidence of the Spirit of God in your life. If we don't have this evidence, we need to go back to the foundation. We need to go back to the truth of the gospel and understand what Jesus really did in our lives. The reason why we have so many Christians who do not bear the fruits of the Spirit in their life is because we're still trying to save ourselves by our own human effort. We're still carrying around a yoke of bondage. And I'm not here to discourage anybody. I know this is this is kind of hard. But I'm not here to discourage anybody. I'm here to encourage you that, that you can do this and that, and that Jesus made a way that is easy for you. It's much lighter. It's much lighter than trying to do it on your own. Because when you have sin in your life, and, and when you have things that are in your life, it's heavy. And it can weigh you down. In James, it talks about how how we confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. We, we, we confess to one another, we pray for one, one another that we may be healed. And what this is implying to me is, is that, is that our, our sins are somehow related to our physical bodies and our, and our physical being. And, and, and you see, when you have sin and you have bondage and you're tied to things in your life, it, it not only wear, wears you down mentally, but it can wear you down physically. And it says that we, we confess our sins to one another, that we may be healed. Rick Warren says it like this, if all you want to do is be forgiven of your sins, then confess your sins to God. 
that's a good thing to do. But if you want to be healed of your sins, if you want to have healing in your life, it says to confess your sins to one another. I recommend finding somebody you can trust. I don't, I don't recommend just blabbing that out to anybody, any old person. Find somebody that you can trust, that can pray with you. Because it says that. It says, it says that they can pray with you. We need one another in our life. God put one another on this earth for a reason. And we need one another. That wasn't part of my notes. That was free. Paul uses an example in Galatians, and he, he, he uses the story of Abram and Sarai. I, I'm saying Sarai because I think that's how it's pronounced. But in Genesis, we read about how God promised a couple of uh, seasoned saints that they were going to have a baby. And, and they were old. And, and up until this point, they hadn't had a child yet. And God says, hey, you're going you're gonna to have this child. And, and, and he shows them, you're going to have, you're gonna have uh, as many descendants as the stars in the sky. And, and the Bible says that Abram, at this time his name was Abram, it says that he believed God, even in his old age. But you see where, where Abram and Sarai messed up is, is they tried, to, they tried to, to make God's promise happen in their life by their own human effort. By their own human effort. And, and what happened was uh, uh, Sarai encouraged Abram to, to sleep with the maidservant Hagar. And, and she becomes pregnant. And, they, and now at 86 years old, Abraham has a son named Ishmael. But that's not the way that God intended it. Ishmael was not the promised son. And eventually, Ishmael and Hagar would be sent away in shame and disgrace. You see, in Abram's uh, attempt to, to make things happen uh, with his own human effort, they succeeded. This is important. They succeeded in producing something outside of the will of God. And we need to be careful as a church and as believers of Christ, that we are not trying to produce things in our life that are outside of the will of God by our own human effort. Because what will happen is when, when God's promise becomes to come into fruition in your life, it is going to make it that much harder. It's going to make it so much harder for you to receive God's blessing and what God actually promised to you. Because we've tried to make things happen for ourselves. We've tried to, instead of trusting God, we trusted our own human effort. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Abraham, his name was changed to Abraham. And you know, that's probably a whole other sermon in itself. I can't imagine what the other people thought when he says, yeah, you can't call me Abram anymore. My name's Abraham. They're like, what are you talking about? No, you're Abram. No, 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 you got to call me Abraham. They probably thought he was losing his mind. And that happens sometimes when we follow God's plan. Not everybody is going to understand what you're doing. Because God didn't speak to them. God spoke to you. God spoke to you. And, and if God speaks to you and God has a call on your life, it's not for everybody else to understand. You have to obey, obey God regardless of what everybody else thinks. That's a whole other sermon in itself. But God promised again that they're going to have a, a, a son. But this time it was going to be Sarah that, that has the child. 
And this time, Abraham and Sarah laugh at God in disbelief. Like, are you kidding me? I'm almost 100 years old. I've got a a 13-year-old son, and you're telling me that, that he's not the promised one? And when Abraham was 100 years old, Isaac was born. And let me just tell you today that God will do what he said he was going to do. It might be 13 years later. It might, not, it might not have been on your timeline, but God is going to do what he said he could, that he was going to do. And so we need to have some faith. Our human efforts will never trump God's plan. It will never trump God's plan. This is why some Christians are still walking around with the yoke of bondage in their life. They're, they're walking around with, with unforgiveness in their life. They're, they're, they're walking around still tied to the sins that they can't seem to kick on their own. And they're, they're tied to this yoke of bondage, bound to the misconception that we have to earn our own salvation. How then do we move on? How do we break this curse and how do we break this yoke and how do we move past our past? We need something more. We we need to be connected to the source of power that is going to help us overcome our sinful nature. The Bible calls this justification by faith. I wrote down a, a few steps that are going to help you. They're going to help me. The first thing is we need to believe in the gospel Of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We're talking about freedom in Christ this morning. We need to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2 and 16 says, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one, no one will be made right with God by obeying the law. My kids are at an age where they believe anything I tell them. I mean, I could just tell them the biggest lie ever, and they would just think that's the greatest thing. Daddy, he just told us this crazy thing, and they're going to believe it. They're going to believe it. My kids are seven, five, and three. And I have to be careful what I, what I lead them to believe because they're, they're gullible, and they'll, they'll, they'll believe what I say because I'm their daddy. I'm their daddy. My seven-year-old Malachi has a plan. He told us about it the other day. He's going to set up a camera on Christmas Eve. He's going to get to the bottom of this thing. <laughs> He's going to see if Santa Claus is real or not. Now I haven't, I haven't told, I haven't led him to believe anything. And but he's going to get to the bottom because he has some doubt. He's like, this is a little bit too good to be true. And he knows that, that when he wants something, he comes to mommy and daddy, and he asks us for it. And, and that's the way I, I like him to believe. Um, but he's going to figure it out on his own. He's a smart boy, and I think he'll, come, he'll go, get down to the bottom. You know, I could play with him, though. <laughs> yeah, I might just do that. He wants to see if Santa Claus is real or not. You know, my three-year-old believes that if I, if I kiss her boo-boo, it makes it better. She'll say, Daddy, kiss it. She'll be crying and just boo-hooing, and then if I kiss it, it's better. She believes that. She believes that. What are you believing in? What are you choosing to believe in? 
We have to believe that God really did send his son Jesus to take the punishment for our sins. We can be set free from bondage if we understand that Christ what if we understand what Christ truly did with his life. When you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and that he took on the sins of the world, you can walk in freedom. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gateway for the Holy Spirit to be evident in your life. It is the Spirit of Jesus that will help us walk in freedom. It is the Holy Spirit that will give us the strength to stay free. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will break the yoke. Amen? Amen. The next thing that we need to do is we need to repent. We need to repent of our sins. The Bible talks about this. The other day, my daughter, Addie, came home from school, and I don't know if she was standing in line or what it was, but there was this other girl that was doing something she didn't like, and she just kicked her. She kicked her, and she told us about it. She said, I kicked that girl, and I got in trouble, and I cried. And she came up, she was like, you know, unashamed to tell us this. And, you know, but there was something that she was carrying around with her and she just had to release it. She had to let it go because it was bothering her that she did this thing and she got in trouble. She, I'm so glad that she came to me and, and t- I think our children should be able to come to us and talk to us when they mess up. And I hope that that's always the case in my children's life. She had to get it off her chest. And James 5 and 16 says that we confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. There's a lot of truth in this. Our verbal confession is a powerful thing. So we believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. Those are the first steps of overcoming our sinful nature. But our our verbal confession is the thing that is going to help you sustain your faith in Jesus Christ and walk in true freedom. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Don't you realize that that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. I'm about to list some things that some of you might not agree with. But these are the things that didn't come from me, they came from God's word. I'm about to list some things. And, and, and we need to be open-minded to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we need to choose to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and ask yourself, if you don't, if you don't agree with these things, ask yourself, who are you believing? Where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? It says this, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part because this tells me that there's hope and that there is the forgiveness of our sins. Some of you were once like that, but, but you were cleansed and you were made holy and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. You can be made right with God when you call on the name of Jesus. 
when you call on the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? The last thing, and I'm, I'm going to close, is we need to accept God's grace in our life. This is key. You see, God's grace is a gift to us. It's, it's there for the taking. You see, Jesus Christ, he already died on the cross. He doesn't have to come back and, and die on the cross again every time we mess up. That tells me that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he, he died for, for, for the past, present, and future sins of our life. He doesn't have to do that again. See, that, great, that gift of grace is there. It's there for you. It's there for the taking. And all you have to do is accept it. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, Each time he said, My grace is all you need. Amen? My power works best in weakness. Whenever you feel like I just can't go on and, and, and I just have this thing in my life that's just weighing me down and I'm not good enough and, and I can't go to church because, because I have this sin in my life. I have this thing that I did in my life. Look back at this verse. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. What Paul was saying in, in Galatians was that we cannot earn God's grace. God's grace is a free gift to us. We just have to take it. His grace is sufficient. God's grace is the answer to freedom. His grace is going to be the thing that helps you not only be forgiven of your sins, but to help you walk in, in freedom and then my last statement, holy, holiness and righteousness are byproducts of God's grace at work in your life. That's worth repeating. Holy, holiness and righteousness are byproducts of God's grace at work in your life. We can't be holy or righteous without it. So now that you believe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, now that you have confessed your sins and you have repented, there is one more thing that we need to do, and that's what Paul said in, in this first verse. He says, now make sure that you stay free. That is your responsibility. Christ has already set us free. He's already done that. But you have a responsibility. Make sure that you stay free. Amy is going to play a, a song. This is a little different. And I kind of struggle with how we should, should close this because this is just, a, just such a, a powerful text in Galatians that, it, that is still relevant in our lives. And I believe that God is doing a work through the truth of the gospel in this church. Maybe you're sitting here today and, and something that I said, something that you heard from the word of God has, has, has rang a bell and has, has just rang true in your life. God wants to change your life. God wants to help you move past that yoke of bondage. God wants to help you move past that thing that weighs you down. And that you can walk in freedom. And that you can take on the yoke of, of Jesus Christ because his yoke is, is light. 
Do you have the evidence of the Spirit of God in your life? I urge you to have a heart check this morning. Wherever you're at, you can kneel in your, in your seats. You can come to the altar. I just, I just pray this morning that we can have a heart check, myself included, that we have the fruits of the Spirit evident in our life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read those. And as I, as I read these, I want you, if you don't have these fruits that are evident in your life, I want you to find a place and just begin to pray. Say, God, I believe. I believe in the truth of the gospel. God, change my life and help me to walk in freedom. Those things are love. Do you need a little more love in your life? Joy. Do you have the joy in your life? Do you have the joy of Christ in your life? Peace. Do you have peace in your life? Patience. Do you have patience in your life? Could you use a little more patience? Kindness. Are we kind to one another? Goodness. Do you need to see the goodness of God and the, and the blessings that God has already given you in your life? Faithfulness. Do you need to be more faithful to God in your life? gentleness do we need to be more gentle with our family members with our co-workers with our friends self-control do you need more self-control in your life to overcome those things that are in your life that only you know about If I've mentioned any of these things and you need those, you need that evidence of the Spirit in your life, I urge you to pray right now in the name of Jesus. You're invited to come to the altar or make an altar at your seat, however you want to do it.